0: Welcome to Gardening Talk. Back on Two and You Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you once
1: again. Very, very good to see you. It's getting colder, isn't it? It's getting quite fresh. Sixteen degrees tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, apparently you're out west, like you're negatives now. So plants going to be uh, feeling that. It's going to be settling on. They're going to be unhappy. The plants be wearing jumpers. They will be, won't they? They have to get like these puffer jackets, sort puffer of things. jackets, yeah. a scarf. Yep, they'll be nice and tasty. start crocheting some beanies. So I had an idea about that. I <laughs> yep. thought we might talk about uh, the benefits of a greenhouse or a glasshouse for your plants. Right. Today. Yeah, you can get small ones, big ones. So we'll talk about those. Uh, small deciduous trees and also pansies out in flower. Lovely colour. You can still put them in at the moment and get some colour in about six weeks' time. Excellent. Of course, if you've got any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216.
0: And first up today, we've got Jenny from Fern Bay, and she's got weeds growing in her through her lawn. Good afternoon, Jenny. How can we help you?
2: Um, yes. I wouldn't call it a lawn because I live at Fern Bay on, on um, sand and stuff. And, um, uh, well, it's grass, you know.
3: And um, I know that
2: before I moved in, there was two layers of um, turf laid down and goodness knows what, they couldn't care about the weeds. But at the moment, um, I've got these skinny, thin weeds coming up, looking very much like onion weed.
1: Okay, well, it could be onion weed, um, and onion yeah. weed tends to um, bring itself up, and you you get to see it more in winter, in a way, in lawns. Right, and okay. and the reasoning for that is that your lawn gen- or your grass, however you want to describe it, Jenny, but I'm sure I'm sure it's much more beautiful than the way you're, you're portraying it at the moment. It's probably it's probably lush like the golf course next door.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, look, onion weed sort of – what happens is your grass stops growing. It becomes dormant at this time of year, but the onion weed doesn't. It keeps on growing. So Mm. people become more aware of it in their lawn, um, uh, you know, during autumn and winter. Uh, I just say to people – Keep on mowing it out. There's really nothing else you can do. Uh, very difficult, Yeah, if it is onion weed, very difficult to go through yeah. and, you know, individually get rid of each one of those. Uh, once it gets warm again, September, you know, August, September, problem goes away again in that it, the grass starts growing. It just takes over and it just yeah. hides it and masks it away for you. Yeah. Uh, look, it's
2: a bulb isn't
1: it it is a bulb and the worst thing you can do is try and dig it out or go and pull it out uh, all right. because there's the main bulb and then there's little baby bulbs all around yes, it I see that. Yes. yeah and when yes. you put when you pull it out the little baby bulbs they just sort of sloth away and and they oh, just yes, spread out yes. to stay in there so they just multiply and multiply Shift the only eight. real way to do it uh you know is to go th- uh, through and try and Get, you know, very, very carefully, uh, you know, some cotton gloves even, you know, rubber glove, then a cotton glove on top of that, and just try and stroke each little weed, you know, very, very gently. It makes them happy, but you're actually poisoning them at the same time just by, you know, you dip your fingers in the poison and and stroke that over. So you can see it's going to be a very tedious job. It's almost tedious me describing the process to you. That's that's okay. Would
2: you believe it or not? I get down on my belly and get the clover out.
1: Oh, okay. Well, look. If you if you do feel like doing it, uh, you can yeah. do that. You get some, you know, Roundup, Glyphosate, one of those yep. type of things. Yep. You get yourself yep. a, a rubber glove. Uh, then yep. you get a cotton glove. You know, you get them at the supermarket. Uh, yep. You dip your fingers into that, and you then just sort of wipe your finger back over the top of the little, uh, the okay. little leaf, and that that gets rid of it. You're not harming the rest of the grass around it, but again, you okay. have to be very, very careful. Yeah.
2: Okay. Um. So in my village, I like weeding. Yes. You know? Yeah, I'm one of those strange people, you
1: know. That can be very, very therapeutic. It, like, as you it, said, it, it, is. it keeps you moving around, gets you down on your belly. Um, yeah. get you-
2: <laughs> I don't get on my belly in other people's lawns, you
1: know. <laughs> Just on, uh, in the privacy of our own front yard. <laughs> oh,
2: backyard, backyard. Yes. Yes.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay, good. Thanks
2: very much. That's
1: all right. Not not a problem. Good luck with it, Jenny. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. The other way to get rid of it, if you've got uh, onion weed in your garden, uh, is to mulch very heavily uh, some newspaper over the top of it and just effectively try and choke it out.
0: Right yeah. I actually mm-hmm. talked to someone yesterday, they got mental through their lawn.
1: Ooh, that sounds nice, So when it? they
0: made their lawn, everything smells minty.
1: Oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, you just sort of walk around yeah. and crush, and it'd be great. It'd be like... He was complaining about it, but I, think, I couldn't think of anything better. Yeah, just some yoghurt on there, some tzatziki. <laughs> It'll all happen for you. So yummy.
0: <laughs> we've got Noel now from Toronto, and he's got borers in a mandarin.
1: Hello, Noel. That doesn't sound too good. Uh, what's been happening, uh, mate? Hello.
3: Um, Greg, Hello. But um, Yeah, we've got a mandarin tree, oh, it hasn't affected the mandarin, it is just absolutely loaded. But I noticed some sawdust type stuff right at the, I think it's right at the graph, and there's a big divot in, uh, in, in the bottom of the trunk. Yes. And um, I've been reading, and they said they put a, some spray with on, but anyway, I'm asking you for the right information.
1: Yeah, look, you certainly can do that. Uh, I, I think the trouble though with borers uh, is that you know they're not lurking around, you know, climbing up on the branches or on the leaves. They're in deep inside the plant. You know, they're creating that little hole. That's where the sawdust is coming out of. So a way to get rid of them is to uh, grab uh, you know a syringe of, of some sort and then just suck the poison up and then inject it directly into that hole. I always then say close that hole up so that the fumes and everything sort of continues through, you know, the little, you know, tunnels that they've been creating. And for that, you can use some wood putty. Uh, you can use some soap if you want to, just sort of rub it over there and and block it up. But some wood putty is a, a good way to do it. Now, the other reason well, a hole
3: a whole divot up, or it's a pretty big, seems to be a pretty big hole.
1: Yeah, fill the whole divot up. Uh, you can also get a product called Steri Prune as well if you want to, which uh, is a sort of a tar-based paint. But if you can find that divot or that hole, I think it is good just to you know try and close it up properly so that other insects can't get in there and you know you sort of get into this merry-go-round of, of problems happening. Uh, so yeah, some poison, some malathon down in there. Um, fill up the hole, let it soak back down in over an hour or so and then put a little bit more in as well. It's going to go through the sap stream of the plant as well. Uh, okay. malathon might not necessarily kill, uh, you know, an insect from eating uh, or you know going through and eating the the because it's not a systemic spray. So you're hoping to contact the insect in there. Mm-hmm. So try and yep. find as many holes as you can. Uh, you might see some cracked bark, like you you know you also found yeah, that sawdust. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, look around for that. And generally, you know, if you can find those holes, inject in there. If you can't. Uh, just use the marathon and spray it running down the trunk, uh, down through the bark as much as you possibly can.
3: Oh, thank you very much.
1: Okay. Now, look, as I said, if you can find those holes, block those up with the, the wood putty or the soap. Uh, if you're just finding generally cracked bark, uh, then go and get some of that Steri Prune and give it a good spray and that'll seal things up as well and help protect the plant for you.
3: Thank you very much.
1: Okay, not a problem. A uh, bit of a prune for the plant after the mandarins are off. And uh, and that'll help the sap stream rise up through the plant and chase the borers out also.
3: Thank you. Thanks okay, good on you, Noel. Bye. Thanks
2: for the call, mate. Bye-bye.
1: And we've got Jim from Charlestown. He's got some ideas about borers. Oh, fantastic. Uh, hi, Jim. How can we help you, mate?
3: Hey, guys. Um, just a bit on that borer thing, if... Uh if you haven't got too many holes and they're not too deep and windy, the little tunnels, um, I've heard people have had some success with a little bit of wire. Poke it in and just spear them.
1: Oh, stab stab a little buggers. Yeah, that's probably not a bad idea either, is it?
3: Well, it's a bit cruel, but um, and then again a bit of wire is probably a lot cheaper than it's not as dear as poison.
1: Yeah, true. Look and I have there is another method as well that I've heard of. Uh, and that is, you just block up the holes as best as you possibly can, and then water the plant really heavily over a couple of days, and try and get that sap stream rising. And it almost drives them out. Um, I'm not sure how successful that is, but I've heard it. If anyone's had any success with that, love to hear from them as well. Um, and that's a you know a nice sort of gentle way of, of getting rid of them. It's not stabbing, it's drowning that one. But anyway, well, we, you know we have to get rid of them somehow, don't we? Because they're really going to damage the plant. That's
3: it. Grab a shovel. Take your pick.
1: Yeah. Look, the, the great thing about uh, citrus as well is that you can cut them back very, very hard. Now, I'm not suggesting this, but I remember seeing a documentary about uh, some terrible droughts that we had, uh, you know, out in the Riverina area, um, you know, a few years ago. And what the farmers did out there was to save their plants, their citrus plants, actually cutting them down to the ground level. I know it sounds a bit radical, but what it was doing was leaving the infrastructure in under the ground. Uh, The plant would survive through the drought. And when the waters came back again, uh, the plant would re-sprout. It had all that infrastructure there to, um, you know, support the, the, the growth very quickly. And they effectively saved their, their uh, citrus crops by doing that. Um, yeah. Not suggesting people do that <laughs> here in Newt. We've got plenty of water, so no need to do it. But uh, that is a great thing about citrus is that if you have got borer, uh, you can cut them back very heavily and, uh, you know, effectively regrow the plant quickly and, uh, you know, get rid of those insects. I, I think another thing with borer is that it, it's a sign that there's something, you know, the plant's getting old. It needs to be looked after a little bit better. Uh, more water, more fertiliser, just to keep the bark nice and soft. Because once the bark on an old plant starts to crack, that's when you get the the insect being able to get in there.
3: Yeah, I've had to do the same where it's in mine. And, um, you know, without leaving the tree looking too ugly, it's amazing how you can massacre it and just take those um, infected and dead branches off, chuck them.
1: Yeah, and that, it really works a treat. Uh, you get uh, lovely soft new growth, uh, so then you've got a you know a long period of time before you're going to get the problem back again. Uh, yeah, so citrus is a very versatile and tough little plant, and thanks for the uh, the tip, Jim, of um, yeah, the, Thank you. the, the wire yeah. down the hole. Okay, why not? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cheers, mate. That's Thank you right. for that. It's a day out, isn't it, it, if you're going to be doing that? It certainly is. We've got all
0: sorts of uh, things to do here now. <laughs> Speaking of things to do, you mentioned... I've just had a brain
1: freeze. But yeah, well, not as good as my brain freeze earlier on off there, but uh, we'll get that. We we'll talked about greenhouses. That's Plus. what I was thinking yes. of greenhouses. Yes, not uh, what was it? Buckingham Palace I was- that I couldn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we, I, I'm doing better now, and I've got you on greenhouses, so that's the that's the main thing we can go forwards now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for stepping in <laughs> <laughs> into the breach for you. Yeah, greenhouses. It's getting cold out there. Apparently, we've got this this chilly Arctic, or um, you know. Antarctic, glass, Antarctic I would think, down here coming across Australia. Uh, so a, a way to counter that if you've got some nice soft plants, uh, you know, ferns or other, you know, tropical or semi-tropical plants is to go and buy a little glass house. Right. Yeah, it's also great for uh, striking seeds if if you want to. Uh, you don't have to get big ones for that. You can just get little sort of baby ones, you know, bigger than a shoe box, little covering on there. Yep. Helps the germination of the seed. But there are bigger ones out there that you can get. Uh, you know, they're not enormous. Um, could you use an old fish tank? You certainly could do that if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More, right. more terrarium-like. D- but, yeah, it's going to keep – because you get the, the warmth holding in there and you get the, the light refracting um, through there and, yep. and keeping it uh, – um, yeah, nice and humid good. in there as well. So, yeah, that's that's a good idea too. You could use an old fish tank if you want to. Just do a go. cruise. People are always throwing out old fish tanks, aren't they? They are. I don't know why. I don't know. I'll, do, I'll just get one and keep the fish. I always want to do <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, look, the other thing you can do with a glass house is you can uh, maximise production. Uh, just generally um, encourage and increase your plant health because you're keeping them alive, you know, when they might be going backwards here in winter. Um, You know, some um, tropical plants need to uh, be kept at a certain humidity, so it is terrarium-like in that the plants, you know, will sweat in there effectively, and so it keeps them nice and warm doing that. Uh, Even if you've got, uh, you know, a nice clear glass house, you could put uh, chilies or capsicum in there as well, yeah. You might just let them breathe a little bit more. Uh, that's going to certainly stop them dropping their leaves and whatever they normally do, um, you know, here in winter. I know you always talk about your chilly plants and they always look a bit ugly at this time of year. They're looking great at the moment. but, but Yeah, well, the uh, bad things are probably ahead of them if we get this, uh, you know, really chilly blast, you know, leaves drop on chilies. They don't necessarily die, uh, but if you've got a, a glass house of some sort, you're going to give them a, a, you know, a little bit of a boost and a head start yep. uh, for, for next year. Um, so, yeah, look, that's a... a Great, um, you know, easy idea to keep some of those uh, tropical, subtropical plants, chilies alive. Germination of seed uh, just keeps them nice and warm, especially overnight. Also keeps them out of the the windy conditions that, uh, you know, plants don't like, especially in uh, September, October when we get uh, those westerly winds here. Right. So essentially what you're saying is I should put my chilli plants indoors. Well, you need to have them. They don't want to be indoors necessarily, but in a place where they're getting their full sun still coming through them. Yep. Uh, if you wanted to, you could get them if you had a nice, you know, Western uh, windowsill yep. in the house, you could put them there uh, just to keep them going. You might even put them out or a veranda. That's another great place out of out of the wind. Right. Yeah. I've, I've got a veranda. I can do that. Okay. Very good. <laughs> and we've got Tom from Aberglass, and he's got a question about bromeliads.
2: Good afternoon, gentlemen.
1: And uh, Good afternoon Hi. to you, Tom. How can we help you,
2: mate? I've got a, quite a few bromeliads in a protected area and they've flowered really well. Now I've got dead flowers. Can I take them off or should I just leave them?
1: Well, you, you can take them off if you want to, uh, but look, just leaving them is not, not an issue. Um yeah, look, either, either way for you. They'll keep on spreading out by pups. That's how bromeliads grow. So you'll just see them sort of going from, you know, just keep on clumping outwards is the best way to describe them. Usually, uh, you know, the the donor plant, I guess the plant that's had the flower on it, it will die out after time now that it's flowered. Um, so you're looking for those pups to grow on the side to try and keep your collection going. Yeah, well,
2: that was my next question, was what actually happens once the flower has Flowered and and does the does the actual plant then die and then the pups reproduce sort of thing is that yeah
1: that that's correct you could try and uh, you know get some seed as well if you wanted to from the flower um, I I don't know I've never really tried with bromeliads before it'd be a very very fine little seed so I think it'd probably be um, you know very difficult and best just to uh, let them grow by pupping um, you know and division on each side of the plant of the clump right
3: okay okay I think
2: it's just that the flowers don't look. Very appealing at the moment, just sitting there, and I
1: thought, oh, I could get rid of them. Yeah, look, they, they, and they look—they do look fantastic. And you got to remember that the flower is always a little bit that comes out the end of the, uh, of the, you know, the main thing that we think is the flower um, on the bromeliad. So um, yeah, look, they—they they do have, you know, so much colour. It's very similar to, uh, you know, um, succulents when they flower they will often die back as well. Um, the plant will die back, that donor plant. Uh, you see those agaves, they will do that uh, quite often. You get this massive big flower with you know so many seeds on them and then you start to see the plant in underneath it yellow off and wither and die away. So, um, yeah, nature taking its course. But, um, yeah, Brom's a very um, easy plant to grow. If you've got a nice protected area, you'll get plenty of colour out of those in the shade.
2: Yeah, well, it's sort of filled up the areas that they're in at the moment, so I might have to go in and sort of... Uh reduce the volume of them shortly
1: sort of thing. Oh, look, yeah. you, you can certainly go in there and, uh, you know, thin them out, split them up a little bit if you want to, um, you know, move some new, you know, some of those ones to other areas, uh, pot them up if you wanted to as well, give them away to people. Um, yeah, look, a very easy and versatile plant. Uh, they were incredibly popular uh, sort of in the early 2000s, uh, you know, just, you know, they were just in in the retail garden centres, lots because they were just providing, um, you know, so much colour right through the year. Uh, and people just you know absolutely lapped them up they they loved them they were new they were different um you know they've sort of fallen off in favor a little bit now but uh, still a very very good plant if you want some color and even if you just uh you know you want to give a gift they were uh, sort of the uh alternative to a bunch of flowers that would just last and last for people so uh yeah bromeliads are really lovely and easy to look after plant
2: if they're easy to to
1: grow they're like quite a plant. <laughs> very good okay, <great>. okay. <laughs> Good on you, Tom. Thank you for thanks the call, you mate.
2: See
0: you, We've got Daryl from Madawi, and he's losing fruit from his citrus trees. Doesn't sound
1: good, Daryl. Tell us some more, mate.
3: Yeah, they're um, just sort of some of them are going right. Like my mandarin tree, I've lost about 80% of them now. They, they ripened a bit quick, and then they went rotten on the tree, you got blue mold, and there's grubs in them. And I just don't know if it's fruit fly or someone told me that there's a butterfly or something that lays an egg when the fruit's actually flowering right at the start and
1: yeah, look, it, it could be either that or it could be the fruit fly. Um, either way, your treatment's going to be the same. Unfortunately, though, um, you know, if you know fruit flies come in, uh, you know, early on in the season when the, the fruit is set, and it seems to come on earlier and earlier now, uh, you know, we used to give advice that your fruit was safe from fruit fly, you know, while it was still green and hard. Yep. It uh, doesn't even seem to be that anymore. They just, you know, get in and, and give it a crack and, uh, you know, they infest before you even know it. Uh, so for, for you main thing to do is to clear up all of that affected fruit get rid of it uh, you know into the garbage uh, yep. so that you know they're not going to you know rehatch and and come back out for the next season for you important to do that you might even want to thin them off the tree now um, yep. if you think they're really badly infested next year what you need to be doing is as soon as you see some you know the flower bud on there and then the tiniest little fruit setting you need to start trapping for fruit fly Yep. Uh, you know, there's there's all sorts of different things you can use for that, uh, fruit, fruit fly traps. Uh, there's also, uh, you know, homemade ones you can do with Vegemite and Malathon that we talk about. You get a little mm-hmm. plastic container and put some holes in there and put that uh, Malathon Vegemite mix in there. It tracks the female in uh, and uh, they don't come back out of that plastic container because the the Vegemite and the, the Malathon's done That's the gone. job on them.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, and what that does is it just reduces the chance of your um, your, your fruit being stung, and then the maggot and the weevil getting in there uh, and doing all that damage. And as you're seeing, it just browns off and, and falls off the tree. But very important for you to clear it away now and uh, get rid of it in the garbage.
3: Yeah, but I did spray them with
0: Malathion. I oh, probably started about two and two, three months ago. But obviously. it's
1: they're already in there. Yeah, uh, and and the spraying is not a bad thing. It's, it's one of those things you have to do in concert with the, the trapping and the yep. spraying. Uh, one or the other is not usually good enough. Uh, if you're spraying, uh, you know, just keeping the fruit fly actually from, you know, flying around and doing their thing, uh, and the trapping as well. So... Uh, it, it's there 24 hours a day whereas you spray uh, you know it happens uh, you know 3 hours later some you know fruit fly could come in from next door or wherever yep. uh, and you know they do the damage um, so if you're doing both uh, it's a good way of keeping it under control
0: No worries. Thanks okay. So Thanks Daryl. Thank you.
1: Enjoy your afternoon.
0: You too. Bye. We got Jan now from Morris set and she's got a question about violets.
1: Hello Jan.
2: Hello Scott.
1: Yes, how can Hi, we help Scott. you?
2: You know, I don't know whether they're called wild violets or not, but they they just spread
1: all over the place and I now I can't get rid of them. I mean, they are quite pretty. Are we we talking about, uh, you know, like little Johnny Jump Ups, the violas? tiny little
2: ones,
1: yeah. Yeah, so they do, and and the the seeds just spread so easily on those. Um, Look, you know, people grow them because they, they love the colour everywhere, um, but they do spread very, very easily. Um, they're almost year round as well. In summer and yeah, in the humid yeah. months, they will, you know, semi die off and go away for you. Uh, but as far as getting rid of them, uh, you really just have to go and pluck them out if you don't want them uh, in the oh, garden. There's goodness. no spray or anything you can use. No,
2: they've to... gone all into the lawn and uh, everywhere.
1: Okay. Yeah, so that that's just a mowing issue. Then you just have to keep on mowing um, to to get <laughs> rid of them here. But uh, yeah, that that's funny, isn't it? Because people quite love their little uh, violet, yeah, little Johnny and Jump Ups. They but... kill
2: everything else around
1: it. Ah, okay, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, ah. just uh, yeah, some mowing just to keep it under control, or if it's in uh, the rest of your garden, just picking them out.
2: All right. Thank you. Okay, Jen. Good luck with it. <laughs> Thank okay, you.
1: Bye bye. Hi. We've got Tom from Abermain,
0: and he's got a question about the mandarin. Hello, Hi guys. Hello.
1: Tom?
2: I've got um, fruit trees that my, my dad planted, and he's been gone about 30 years, so they're mature. Yes. And they're, they're really tall, and um, I, I'd like to try and cut them back to get them a height that's more manageable for me, because I'm not supposed to climb. <laughs> and most of the fruit's up high, and I can't get at it.
1: No, oh, well, and look. I mean,
2: can I cut it
1: back? And that's that's a really good idea. Uh, you know, not just for, you know, not having to get on the ladder. Uh, it also it means you can treat it for fruit fly and keep things a little bit, uh, you know, better under control. It's
2: a bit more manageable.
1: It certainly is. I've got this rule of thumb, and I think we were even talking about it last week with citrus trees. You don't really need them, uh, you know, much higher than you can reach up over the top of uh, because it allows you to, to treat and look after the plant a whole lot better. You also get enough fruit. Um, from that tree, you know, to feed yourself the neighbours and half the neighbourhood. So, uh, yeah, keeping them down to a manageable height is not a bad idea at all. Um, you know, I say, oh, you know, sort of, you know, six, seven foot, uh, even if you've got one of those little tiny little step ladders, um, you know, just to get up a little bit higher if you need to. So rather than letting the plant get up high and tall, all the, all the new growth and, and all the fruit gets up on the new growth up high, so you can't actually pick it. If you just keep the plant to that six to seven foot height, let it spread out a little wider, uh, and then you can walk around the tree, uh, you can reach things, you can get rid of that fruit if you see it going off for some reason, Uh, you can treat it uh, for the fruit fly. Um, I I think you know pruning your your plants back down to that height, uh, your citrus trees, is an excellent idea.
3: I'll give give it a shot.
1: Yeah, so look, it can be really hard. Uh, with a citrus tree, just make sure you're getting it down to you know a decent shape. Imagine it when it starts to grow back out again, you want it to spread out nice and evenly. Uh, and if you've got any large uh, branches that you've had to prune, get some of that product, that tar-based paint called Steri Prune we were talking about. Yep. And uh, paint that on the ends of the, the wounds, I guess, that you've cut. Uh, it'll seal them up, uh, won't let any pest disease get in there. And uh, because yours are fairly old as well, uh, you might have some cracked bark. Also use that Steri Prune. Uh, down around the, the cracked bark just to seal all those areas up.
2: Okay,
1: okay, great. good on you. Thanks for the call.
2: Thanks very much okay. for that.
0: Okay, bye-bye. Bye. And we've got Brad from Tingara Heights. He's got a question about the olive tree.
3: Yeah, mate. Uh, how you going? Anyway, thanks for taking the call.
1: Yeah, no, no, uh, good, but, good. How can we help you with the olive tree?
3: Uh, I've got an olive tree, right? It does bear fruit. It has a, um, it's in sort of a, the second sort of green um, seeds, but I, I kind of want to – I don't want to really be an olive farmer. On right? It's more ornamental for my garden. But look, it's about it's about the shaping of it. I've got it to about it's sort of, it's really sort of it's going up to about eight feet tall, and I'm sort of like under six foot. And so what I'm trying to do is just keep a canopy so I can walk in and around and underneath it. And I was wondering what kind of pruning I do. Can you can you treat them pretty harshly, or I mean, I know they're a pretty hardy kind of plant, but I was wondering how hard, how hard can you play, can you go at them pruning and such.
1: Yeah, so you've you've got it out in the full sun, have you, Brad?
3: Yeah, it's in the full sun. Yeah, that's yeah, right.
1: Yeah, great. And and why do you want to be an olive farmer? That's actually so easy to to do.
3: Oh, uh, I took a crop of them last year, and I, I, I stuffed up the salt mixture, and, and 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 the amount of time it took me to get it right, I, I made a very bad batch.
1: Yeah, I, I think that is the problem. When you're doing it at home, you have to do the the salt mixture. Uh, I think, unfortunately, when you're buying them, uh, you know, commercially, they're probably using yeah, yeah nastier things to uh, to you oh, know, to right. change yeah. them. Yeah, but yeah,
3: it was a nice effort. We, we we've got a crop off it, but um, it's really sort of like you know, because in my garden, some of my friends have hands, you know, which means I've got them all like about at the six foot under canopy height, you know, because cause I want to be I don't want to hit branches in my head, so I'm doing the same with the olive. and I just wondered, like. You know the internal the internal near the this the brown the trunk of the olive, can you go hard in there? Like is it like a citrus tree you've got to open up, let light in or is it or can you leave it just natural sort of above where I pruned on the trunk. Yeah, look, you, know
1: you, you, you can leave it natural if, if you want to. I, I guess the reason people open up citrus trees and the same reason you might open up your olive tree is, is just because for the, the fruiting of the plant to allow that yeah. o- additional light in for the flowering and, and the fruiting. Uh, look, a- as to pruning olive trees, I mean, they're, they're, they really are as tough as now. So right. You, you know, head, head over to, um, you know, Greece and, you know, down around those yeah. rocky coastlines of Italy and, and you'd see them growing, you know, literally on the side of a... Of a cliff. They're also fairly salt tolerant as well, which is a great thing. Oh,
3: good. It sounds like a perfect plan for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, wind tolerant too. So, you know, great here in October when we get those cold blasts yes. of westerly winds. Uh, you can hack them uh, it really as hard as you need to. I yeah. have got one at my place that I must have had now for 15 to 16 years. It's in a pot. Yeah. I've effectively bonsai it. And when it gets a little bit too big for me, it's got a, a trunk like quite. It's only in a, you know, a trunk probably you could just put your hand around. It's only in a, yeah. a small pot. I just go out and hack at it uh, all yeah. the time just to keep it down to shape. So it, really, you can be very, very cruel um, to olives. Uh, it's yeah, a bit of a misnomer. It's yeah. a bit of a, a bit of a misnomer that they don't like water. I, I had a couple uh, yeah. down in the junction area where it was very sandy. They they loved the water, but they don't like wet, soggy conditions. Oh, so- yeah,
3: yeah. She's in, a, she's in a bit of clay, a um, bit of mixed, bit of loamy. Um, look, because yeah, the, the the trunk on there goes up about maybe, say, over, over, say, two and a half to three feet before she starts to sprout out, and she's probably wider than, like, a handhold, you know what I mean? Like, yes. the trunk size.
1: Yeah. So, so you, want to, try and prune, up you up. want to try and prune it up and under there a bit harder, do you?
3: Yeah, so just, just how far I'm going up to where my head height is, and, and I'm just – like you said, you can be a bit sort of – how you like with it? So that gives gives me some thought about you know what I can take off.
1: Yeah, you you can certainly sort of prune it back up the trunk, uh, and do that. You can prune across the top of it as well to keep it down yeah. to height. Uh, so you're, you've you're,
3: got a pretty big bell spread on top, you know. Yes. I, I don't know if I can even get to a, with an A ladder. You know what I mean? But with, with, regarding the shape, I'd we'll have to probably get up in a damn thing.
1: Yeah, well, look. Another way, like you said, is to actually just go up in the middle of the plant and thin it out. Uh, you know, cutting some yep. branches out through the middle. I always think that's a good idea. I, I, if you've got a murraya head. Um, uh, you know, and you need to cut down a marae hedge, and it's very tall mm. and wide. I always just go into the middle of it, and you sort of create the façade of the hedge. You just individually yeah. pick out the branches in the middle, uh, so it looks still looks like it's a nice hedge, but uh, you've uh, made your job a whole lot easier. You don't have to, oh, to reach across uh, the top. Yeah, things to think about anyway, because
3: it's like uh, it's like, it's a it's a nice tree. It's a, I love that silver grey sort of shimmer that it gets. You know, the leaves this sort of ash grey kind of colour. So it's, it's it's nice. Nice
1: tree. Okay, well, th- thanks very much for the call, Brad. Appreciate yeah, it very much.
3: Thanks for your advice, okay, mate.
1: Bye, mate. Good luck with it. Yeah,
0: thanks, mate. Bye. Cheers, thanks, Brad. Guarding talk back on to you when you are at FM. Scott Sharp, we're almost out of time for another week, but just one little thing you just want to say before
1: you go. Oh, yeah, I was going, <laughs> Buckingham Palace. I remembered that for, for the full hour, so we've got that down, Pat. But I was just going to to quickly talk about a deciduous tree. Uh, it's a little uh, pier, it's a little you know, sort of pear, ornamental pear called capital. Uh, it gets uh, you know about uh, eleven meters high. It's very prunable as well. But the great thing about it is it's only three meters in its width, so great for a small garden. Excellent, Sharp, We might talk more about that next week. We'll do that.